1: Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty Fantasy Football. My name is Travis May, and I'm joined by Curtis Patrick. We are the Devi and Dynasty coordinators for Rotoviz still. And tonight we are going to be talking about second-year running backs that you should be getting excited about. Uh, talking about some players, I, I mean, we, we, we'll we talk about Saquon, we'll talk about the obvious names, but we want to get into some names that maybe didn't flash too much as well, uh, so uh, we can help you navigate those startup drafts and n- navigate some trades uh, before, uh, you know, even even camps get going here in July, and I, I can't even believe it's June already, which is, uh, you know, OTAs are pretty much wrapped up, We're we're heading into the suspense, the calm before the storm, but... Curtis, before we jump into all these running backs and talking about, uh, you know, who you should, you know, all of our listeners should be getting excited about, I have to know, how did your uh, son's team do with uh, baseball today?
2: Oh, man. Uh, Coach Pitch, we're, we played in the rain tonight, man. It, uh, <laughs> a bunch of seven and eight year olds getting muddy, you know, stomping in the mud puddles outside the dugout trying to manage people keeping their hats and their gloves dry between innings. It was just, um, it was a little bit of a circus. So um, we, d- super we did competitive. not. Oh yeah, oh yeah, man. Uh, these kids, these kids get 110% of my effort. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, but uh, we did not bring home the W. But but the, uh, the junior Patrick uh, was three for three with a single, a double, a triple, and three runs. So it wasn't without, um, it, it wasn't, uh, his doing that, that, uh, helped us fall short today. So that, that was fun. It was definitely a proud dad moment.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. It's good to just, just see your son just have fun and, and, uh, succeed while he's, ha- you know, while he's at it. But, uh, yeah, I just, no, he was
2: scolded. He was scolded for losing. I mean, let's just be honest, you know, <laughs> only winners, only winners Tough in love. this household. So, <laughs> I mean, we had to have a talk when I put him in bed, but yeah, yeah. that there you go.
1: Well, you know, a little bit of tough love, I guess. But whatever. But uh, back to the the running backs. But actually, before we even get too ahead of ourselves on the running backs, let's let's hear a word from uh, FFPC. How about that?
2: Okay. Well, to our listeners, uh, you, you're you're getting familiar with this now. But it's been a decade since the FFPC filled their first dynasty league, and and they're the world's largest dynasty league commissioner now. They've got leagues all the way up to five thousand dollars annual buy-in. Uh, FFPC leagues are active and competitive. A single league has never folded. Uh, you draft that team, you nurture that team, you build that beautiful uh, dynasty. Just uh, giant. You don't have to worry about that league folding. They're gonna find an owner for that orphan. Brand new startup dynasty leagues are forming right now, starting at seventy-seven dollars and up in standard superflex and dynasty best ball formats. There are seventy-seven dollar levels, two hundred fifty. $500, 750 1250 2500 and $5,000 buy-ins. FFPC also has plenty of other great redraft formats, including best ball drafts that are filling daily. Go to myffpc.com. That's M-Y-F-F-P-C.com. It's the home of season-long, high-stakes fantasy football. All new subscribers to the Dynasty Command Center Slack, Also get a $35 league credit, and you can apply that to any of the Dynasty League levels that we talked about uh, in the ad there. So go to DynastyCommandCenter.com for more information on joining our Slack.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, well, let's just start off with some of the RBs that we're going to be talking about tonight and uh, some of the second-year players. I mean, we spent a lot of time this spring talking about the rookies, and we'll get to more of that as well. But, I mean, any more—year two is when— it's it's a defining year and and really there's a bunch of recent data that shows you know it's it's we used to wait for the the third year breakout for some of these positions but really it's the second year breakout that if they're ever going to oftentimes it's year two that we see a player make their greatest impact to really come into their own into the league really come come to full speed and and actually uh, put up some of their best production in their entire career and so Obviously, we can kick it off and just, I mean, even even putting the show sheet together, just talking about how ridiculous of a year Saquon had. I mean, in his very first year, he had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage, 120-plus targets. I mean, there's not really much room for him to go any higher uh, than he's already going to, and and there's no room for him to even go any higher uh, in drafts either because he's kind of uh, basically been the 1.01 all spring uh, according to uh, the data over at Rotoviz, if, if I'm remembering correctly.
2: Yeah, actually, um, in in FFPC, there's been uh, 45 startups year to date. And Sa- Saquon's <laughs> gone first in over 40 of those startups. The only other players that even went first were Alvin Kamara. And then there was actually this one rogue who decided he wanted to start a 1QB dynasty team with Patrick Mahomes. So uh, we oh, don't advocate yeah. for doing that on this pod but obviously a huge Mahomes fan it might even have been Mahomes himself um just starting his own dynasty team there so that that would make a lot of sense but yeah Saquon um I mean geez, what what can you say and I mean clearly the team's committing to just driving that offense through him um they're really kind of building a team that looks like it's going to have to live and die by yak I mean it's the dump offs to Saquon they've got Golden Tate they've got Sterling Shepard Evan Ingram. These are all guys that are af- athletic in the open field, and this should be an interesting offense. But I-, I don't know what else we can add on Saquon other than you know clearly um, just a guy that can can bolster any dynasty squad. He's he's probably worth any premium that you would pay. Um, you know, I-, I don't know that I actually get a lot of questions about buying Saquon, but when when people come to me and ask, "Hey, is is X Y Z too much to pay for?" You know, insert elite player's name here. And the answer is often um, no, that's not too much to pay. I mean, these players come with a premium uh, because of what they can do week in, week out in your lineup. So Saquon, the 101 in startups, 101 in our hearts. Um, he's the uh, uh, RB1 over in the road of his dynasty rankings on the site that you can see now. Um, and yeah, I mean, what else can you say? I mean, I guess in yeah. terms of growth. <laughs> Uh, maybe he he might even be capped out just even on on the muscle mass, and it, if he's not careful, he's not going to be able to wear jeans anymore. I mean, some of these pictures with this guy are just insane. He's going to be wearing leggings everywhere he goes. So,
1: well, they'll be they'll be like jeggings, you know? <laughs> yeah,
2: but. yeah, yeah. Or he's going to have like uh, like Mick Jagger. He's going to have like mesh sewn into the bottom of his jeans, so just let it breathe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Sa- a, Saquon, I mean, Saquon. geez. Um, if if anything, I would I would worry maybe that. You know, that that type of target volume isn't sustainable, but it doesn't take, you know, overall RB1 out of his range of possible outcomes this year for sure.
1: Yeah, I I don't think that that is out of his range of outcomes at all, although given ADP, it's almost almost as if everyone thinks all all the running backs are going to be the running back one because startup ADP is looking like, you know, about 40 running backs are going off the board just way, way too early, at least compared to where they were going years prior but uh, speaking of, let's move on to a couple other second year guys and like Nick Chubb. I mean, he's another guy going uh, really early, ranked pretty highly as well. Um, even like we were talking about Kerryon Johnson, those two pretty early, uh, given what they've already done and given what we think their ceiling is moving forward. Uh, so are you advocating for buying either one of those guys?
2: I think Nick Chubb's priced where he needs to be. Um, we've got him ranked as running back 12. His ADP is running back nine. I mean, I think that he, he's certainly a dynasty running back one. I do think he deserves to be a low-end dynasty running back one because I think his involvement in the passing game is unlikely to grow past where it, it, it was last year. You know, obviously his role grew during the year. He still only ended up with 29 targets despite, you know, basically seeing every meaningful running back touch over the latter half of the season. There's just too many other weapons in Cleveland, and I don't think that based on game scripts they're going to have, you know, they're not going to be the Steelers passing almost 700 times. That's not what Cleveland's going to need to be. That's not what's going to make them run. Nick Chubb's value is going to be in touchdown upside in that offense, um, and and that's probably. You know, that's really all that you need to be thinking about. I mean, between Kareem Hunt being added to the roster, Duke Johnson, they have two other guys that are are both better pass catchers out of the backfield than he is. Um, and, you know, just have a really a bevy, an embarrassment of riches um, at the wide receiver position and David Njoku. So I just don't think that with all the efficient options that you have in that offense, passing the ball to Nick Chubb, probably not something that's going to be high on Freddie Kitchen's list or really... Something that Baker Mayfield's thinking a lot about. So, you're going to have to deal with the touchdown variation, and you're just you know hoping that he can have a year, you know, where he rushes for fourteen hundred yards, fifteen hundred yards. I, th- I think a good way to maybe think about Nick Chubb, he's not this level of talent, but in terms of his production, um, think about him maybe like Adrian Peterson.
1: Yeah, and that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it. I mean, AP, if he had a year where he stayed healthy and got the touchdowns. You know he's going to be pretty productive, but over the course of his career, he actually didn't give the fantasy value um, that you actually would think he did because of injury and and because of the the receptions never really being there. I think people would typically be surprised if they went back and looked at what his year end finishes were in fantasy. So that that's kind of my take on Nick Chubb. I like him. Not going out of my way to buy him. I think he's fairly priced. So if you, if you disagree with me, think he's got some target volume upside, feel free to go out and get him. But I'm not really falling all over myself um, to acquire Nick Chubb at this point. What are you doing with him? No.
1: I, I think I think he's he's right about where he needs to be. If not, just a little bit ahead. I think there's a little bit of concern, like with uh, and, and maybe there's not much concern with with Kareem Hunt. You know, I think there's a lot of disagreement. I've seen. I get questions on what to do with Kareem Hunt. I get questions on what to do with with Chubb. I get questions on what to do with any of the Browns because I think that's just a situation we think we know what to expect. But we we want to prepare for the worst in terms of our favorite player in that offense. Like, does it really cap, you know, other players' ceilings just because there's so many other good players? And I I think even if Chubb was a a pretty capable receiving back, I don't think that he would see a bunch of volume given the number of targets they have. And so that's my only reservation is his ceiling might not be where a lot of people want it to be uh, as as a receiver or maybe like total yards from scrimmage. And that's okay. I think he can score. I think he can find the end zone a dozen times this year and, and be just fine. But Kerryon Johnson is another guy that's way up there. His average draft position is like, what, 26, 27, somewhere in that range, you know, running back, you know, 14, 15, 16, somewhere in that range. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, people want to project a lot with with these guys. And the lions brought in uh, Daryl bevel to be the you know offensive coordinator and he likes to run the ball so they think that he's going to be you know committing to carry on. Um, but really and, and really when carryon was healthy he was about the running back 16 17 in that range depending on your format so there's reason to believe in on. but there's also you know concerns with injury i mean even dating back to his time at auburn he did struggle to sit, stay healthy when he was given a huge <laughs> workload and really, that's that's the position as a whole. But uh, somebody kind of coming off a couple years in a row of that, where he just hasn't been able to finish, uh, or been a hundred percent throughout his uh, has, his playing time, is a little bit concerning. So I think as I, I was Karyon's biggest fan coming in, but I, I don't feel comfortable like getting close to you know second round startup value with him. So. As much as I, I mean, I even root for Auburn, but I, as much as I want to root for and, and acquire carry-on, it'd be really hard to do that, looks like, right about now.
2: Carry-on's a tough evaluation, and he kind of gets a raw deal because, I mean, there is an extremely, extremely clear tier break after the top 12 running backs and uh, Dynasty startups right now. James Connor's 12, carry-on Johnson's 13. Yeah, that's, I think we talked about that last week. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of obvious there. Yeah, we... We talked, we talked about Connor um, and I think the value that people are signing to running backs, obviously if they're, everyone's wanting to find, you know, who can bolster uh, my fantasy scoring upside each week um, through touch volume and not necessarily through, you know, wide receiver scoring volatility, but getting the RB twos right could be the key to fantasy success over the next two years. And I mean, but let's just read down through the RB twos quickly and the and, and it's it, so you many. can kind of see why Carryon is at thirteen because we at least yeah. what we did see of him, he looked effective. Even though we haven't seen a lot, I mean Carryon's thirteen. you've Got Josh Jacobs fourteen. Leonard Fournette is fifteen. Then we're now we're all of a sudden quickly to Marlon Mack and Aaron Jones guys who who lack draft pedigree. Yeah, uh, they're and reasonably good offenses, but they lack the draft pedigree. So you can question maybe the team's commitment to them if they were to to falter or to. If they were to be injured and in a replacement that looked good uh, in their stead, would they get their job back? Derrick Henry eighteen, Sonny Michelle nineteen, Darius Geist, 20. He's never played a snap despite being a second year. Damian Williams twenty one, Devontae Freeman twenty two, David Montgomery twenty three, Miles Sanders twenty four. So I mean, the whole thing is just unsettled, you know. And so it's, it's hard for me to argue with somebody range. that yeah, <laughs> the, the, the whole the whole the whole thing is is just wild. So it the optics the optics are. Weird. I mean, it, it feels weird to say, carrying on Johnson, RB13. You know, it looks weird when I see that in ranks. It looks weird when I see it in ADP, positionally, uh, positional ADP anyway. But it's also hard to argue with it because I, I think you can yeah. make k- great cases for all of these guys that I just read off. I mean, maybe not all of them. I mean, for half of those guys, of those dozen guys, I think you can make a reasonable case that they deserve that running back 13 uh, ranking. So you know, I'm with you on carry on. Um, I I was reasonably high on him last year. I think I had him um, rated somewhere in the, in the late first round in my own rankings. He was somewhere around maybe 11 or 12 in my rankings, um, after the NFL draft and, um, coming into the draft, I, I think there was some questions. And when, when the draft capital was there and everyone was like, man, the lions is a great, are a great spot. They'll make him a bell cow. Well, you know, he looked he looked effective, but we don't have anything to give us a hint that he's going to end up being a bell cow. Now, if he is a bell cow, he could very well be deserving of thirteen, or could even go higher. But they they went outside C.J. Anderson. They still have Theo Riddick, who is still involved uh, in the, in the backfield from a receiving perspective. You know, so I just I, I just don't know. It feels like he's priced at a ceiling, and I feel like yeah. anyone who was ranked at running back thirteen right now would be priced at their ceiling. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's it's, about it's, right. that just, whole
1: range. So he just had, happens to be sitting up at the top of it.
2: <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 not it's not you know poor carry on's fault. It just it is what it is. So <laughs> yeah. And and seriously,
1: I I like he was my favorite running back as far as value. I had more shares of him and DJ Moore than any other rookie last year, just because I was ec- ecstatic. So I hope I hope he uh, proves us both wrong and just uh, kills this year because uh, <laughs> I'd love to. To see that for him, and heck, the the Lions fans deserve something to be excited about, legitimately. So let's hope uh, for some good for them too. But really, you know, there's there's a bunch of guys who have already proved themselves. We've kind of covered the the obvious names that uh, have definitely proven themselves, and but there's got to be some more uh, that we can get to that uh, maybe a little bit further down the line as as far as production goes from last year. But uh, we might be able to get excited about them here soon. But before we talk about that, I gotta
2: stop you. I got to stop you before we get to that group. We got to talk about Sonny Michelle. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we've we got to talk about Sonny Michelle. We got excited on Carry On Johnson.
1: Yes, we, we did. We've got to
2: talk about last year's <laughs> first round pick for the New England Patriots. And Sonny, Sonny Michelle had 209 carries, 931 yards, and six touchdowns. Obviously, he did not play in all 16 games. He had a whopping 11 targets, uh, caught seven yeah. of those balls. And uh, the Rotoviz team has him ranked at, at running back 18 by ADP. He is running back 19 with an ADP of 40.3 in FFBC startups. I've got I got big problems with Sony Michelle being ranked in this range. I don't like it. Um, I think the Patriots know more than we know. Um, that's that's come to light that um, you know he had a, a what an arthroscopic uh, procedure and should be ready. For training camp, that news dropped today. The team drafted Damian Harris on day two. Damian Harris is a is a uh, a pretty good running back prospect, not a great one, pretty good one. You know, look at Sony Michelle's injury history. You know, he tore his ACL in high school. He had a grade one knee sprain in the 2017 SEC Championship game. He had bursitis last summer and had to have his knee drained, missed the beginning of the season. Left knee injury in October, and then now now the knee scope and and it's just it's just really troubling for somebody that's ranked so highly that the team has clearly gone so far out of their way to hedge on just a year after dra- drafting him with with actually a lot of similarities right i mean i i feel like there's a reasonable amount of overlap between Damian Harris's game and Sonny Michelle's game
1: mm-hmm. there really is
2: yeah i just i just don't like it i mean it feels like he's drafted to be the direct i mean maybe even the direct replacement and i i was asked about Sonny Michelle and uh, Dynasty Command Center uh, early this morning, you know, how should we be treating him? Uh, is he a buy on this, this Knee Scope news? Or And I mean, my answer, you know, it's kind of like uh, insert sad trombone here, but I, I think I'm going to just view him like Jay Ajayi from a couple years ago. I, I just think you have to look at him as he's a ticking time bomb on the knee, it it's it dates back to you know being 17 years old at this point. I mean, he basically yeah. has had something going on with these knees every year, or yeah, or all but like one year.
1: Nobody ever mentions that really when they talk about Sony. When they talk up Sony, they're like, oh, man, he almost he almost had a thousand yard season, uh, and he wasn't even you know really used the whole year. And so they they want to insert like obviously he's going to have a even you know an even bigger role this year. And I'm I'm not really sure that that's that's the case. And if we know.
2: The Patriots, that's almost certainly not the case. Well, and, and that doesn't even matter. That doesn't even matter either, man, because let's think about it. Like, what's always been the knock on the Patriots running back is that it's so game script sensitive when they're going to produce anyway. Yeah. So, like, using yeah. year end counting stats on the New England Patriots for it any back matter. that's not named James White is pretty much pointless. So, I mean, at least White, you know, can kind of scratch and claw his way to, you know, eight or nine PPR, even in a game where they don't pass a lot just because of of the way that he scores his points. So I I just think it's too high for it's too high for a back on the Patriots who primarily scores uh, by taking handoffs and, and particularly for a guy with this type of injury history. So. Yeah, that that's my take on Sony. Of, of the guys that we're talking about, of the guys that produced, and and if we want to say that all four of these guys kind of broke out in the rookie season, I don't see a lot of positivity in in Sony Michelle's future, at least in the way that I'm going to handle that. I mean, are, yeah. are, do, you, do you think there's any reason to be buying him at at all? Is he a sell? No, not this price. He, I think he's yeah. definitely
1: a sell for me. I, I'm I'm in the same camp, and I even coming into to last year i was just thinking you know what he's he's on the, on the patriots and if he has a slow start at all uh, he's going to be one of those guys that before you know it, it's like oh he's already old now okay i guess we can we can move on like because he's already you know he's 24 and if he doesn't absolutely blow us out of the water this year then we're not going to see any, any return on a value uh, of where he's going right now so if he doesn't blow us out of the water this year he's already 25 and then we have the 2020 ro- running back class co- that com- comes in and People instantly forget about sony and his and his price is depressed, so there's just there's too many ways for me that uh his value just goes down after this year
2: yeah i mean he's t- he's twenty four with the knees of a forty four year old i mean yeah <laughs> um i don't yeah i don't i don't i don't like it i just don't like it stay away uh stay away i I don't know you know unfortunately with the n- the news of the the scope coming out, I think it could be difficult to sell. And I think that if we were having this conversation in 30 days, we will probably see some ADP correction. We're probably going to see some rankings correction. So, I mean, we're giving this to you, um, you know, kind of hot off the press, and there hasn't been a lot of chance to uh, adjust. If you were if you were somebody who was a Sony Michelle fan and haven't had a chance to maybe take into account um, this new injury news, um, so yeah, there you go, there you go. We uh, we like we like Saquon, obviously. Chubb, we're a little bit lukewarm. Think he's appropriately valued. Carry on. Um, it just drawn the short straw or uh, unlucky position of of being ranked so highly despite the lack of production in a cohort where there is a lot of upside. And Sony um, gets the garlic, silver bullet, and Holy Cross treatment from us. To stay away.
1: <laughs> all of it. All of it. Well, I I was trying to get to the uh, the next part of the podcast earlier, but was uh, leaving out Michelle because he was forgettable as we got to. But before we do,
2: (laughs) tell our listeners how they can uh, get some uh, free money. Twenty five bucks, y'all. Twenty five bucks. That's what you get if you make a deposit over at Yahoo Daily Fantasy and use our promo code VIZ twenty five. So take that twenty five bucks, turn it into uh, a, a very much larger number by playing in their GPP contests, which have max entry limits of 10 per player or playing some quick match, uh, quick match head to heads. It's going to pair you up with a user with a similar history win record. So there's just, there's a fairness element there that we don't see on some of the other bigger platforms. So uh, very unique offering from Yahoo daily fantasy sportsman having a lot of success with that myself playing some of the PGA games. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check out the uh, weekly Yahoo Daily Fantasy uh, PGA pod with myself and roto Matt Jones. You can get some of our favorite plays for the U.S. Open this week uh, or come back next week and listen to our picks there. Um, so, yeah, you can try your hand by going to yahoo.com slash fantasy today and starting your journey. You could be the next big winner.
1: Yeah, yes, you can definitely uh, get on some free money. But so Rashad Penny is a guy who kind of almost – Almost got to the tier of of uh, some uh, real production this last year, but uh, he's outside that tier. His, his ADP is still pretty high. I think right now it's around 64. Uh, running back 26 or so in that range. And uh, you know Chris Carson. There was news that he uh, had some had some work done, and so there's there's hope that he might come into this season and finally. And get some real work, and I think Curtis is, is all in. I think Curtis, uh, you're you're all in on believing that Penny's going to take the job. Is that
2: right? I'm I'm all in on Rashad Penny being very fantasy relevant and getting a chance to show us why the team drafted him in the first round. Um, for I don't think he can fully shut out Chris Carson. I think the I think the Seattle Seahawks run the ball so much that it's going to be a two back system, and those two backs are going to get a lot of touches. But let's let's cut up this backfield a little bit. Mike Davis is gone Mike Davis went to Chicago Mike Davis had 112 carries last year Mike Davis had 42 targets 40 I I had to look twice I did not remember that from last year he had 42 targets so we've got you know 154 vacated touches for Mike Davis and Chris Carson already had 270 some odd touches so I mean he can't stay healthy the team isn't very invested in him. I don't think he's going above a 270-touch number. I mean, that, that that would be insane to me. I, I think Rashad Penny absorbs the majority, if not every, Mike Davis touch. If we give him Mike Davis's uh, backfield market share from last year and, and we give him those touches and, and add it to what he already had on his own, he's going to have about 200 touches, or 200 carries, excuse me, and over 50 targets. I mean, you show me a back that gets 200 carries and 50 targets, and I'll show you a running back, too, in, in PPR. So, um, I yeah, I'm very in on Rashad Penny. Um, I think he's underpriced ba- based off of his, uh, his upside because, I mean, to me, that's the floor. The floor is the 200 carries and the 50 targets. Unless the Seahawks all of a sudden become a passing team, the Seahawks aren't going to be a passing team. Brian Schottenheimer hasn't. He, in one time, and ten years of being an OC has his team even ranked in the top half of NFL teams in in passing attempts. They're not going to pass the ball. They're going to keep games short, and they're going to pick their punches, and they're going to be efficient. Um, they're going to ha- they're going to strike quick when they do pass the ball. They've got big play wide receivers. They already have one named Tyler Lockett. They add another one named DK Metcalf. So, Rashad Penny's going to get his chances. Rashad Penny, if you put Rashad Penny in the 2019 running back running class or running back class, he's hands down the best prospect in the class. Agree, disagree?
1: Definitely. No, oh, no, I think I think you can't really argue with that cuz nobody had any profile worth being a first-round running back and the only reason that Josh Jacobs was is because the Raiders were picking in that slot. So, I mean, there's yeah, profile-wise you really can't argue with uh Penny kind of slotting in as the running back one this year. And and obviously it's a weaker running back class. I think some people just are are concerned with the idea that, you know, even if it is like a two running back system, like you said, that, you know, that they got to look at last year's stats and realize that the Seahawks basically ran, they ran the ball 534 times, which doesn't really happen. Like every single year you might have one or two max like teams that are above 500 carries, typically and last year the only other team that was was Lamar uh, Jackson's Ravens and that's just because his rush attempts were absolutely bonkers. The the third place team in rush attempts was at 478. So they almost had 60 more carries than any other team besides the Ravens which don't even hardly count. So it's 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 a weird offense there they, they were without Doug Baldwin, you know, for you know, basically they never really had the, the real Doug Baldwin i i guess like ever the whole season i felt like and so some people would argue that they might just pass a little bit more last year you know this this year rather cuz you know they did pass the least amount of times they they only passed 427 times and they, when you're passing about the same amount as the Tennessee Titans are you're not very you're not passing very much so <laughs> uh that's just to play devil's advocate. There, there's there's probably gonna that's probably gonna level out something. They're probably not gonna be second in rushing and last in passing this year. But I I get what you're saying. There's there's some to believe in, something to believe in with Rashad Penny. Uh, I think there's a little bit of that risk baked in though where where he is. Um I think he's been rising, but if he rises too much further beyond the RB twenty. Five, you know, solidly inside that RB two range, next to like the guys we were talking about earlier, like the Max and the Aaron Jones and things like that. I'm going to be less inclined to get excited about Penny. But but where where would you say you would kind of stop in believing? Like, would you just stop believing, stop buying on on Penny if if he kind of crept up even higher in average draft position?
2: Oh wow! I mean, geez! I mean, I think you can make I think you can make an argument on Penny with Pretty much any back up to, I mean, geez, in our Rotoviz rankings, you can make a, a reasonable argument with any back up to like the Carry on Johnson range. You really can. I mean, road of, our Rotoviz ranking team, um, which obviously consists of more than us, has Darius Geis at fifteen. I mean, yeah, which, I don't I mean, think that's arguing intriguing. Rashad Penny. I don't think you can. I don't think arguing Rashad Penny versus Darius Geis is is unreasonable or unrealistic i mean i think that's a, a very fair debate to have i mean some of the other guys that are between penny and and johnson and our rid of his rankings include guys like philip lindsey undrafted free agent superstar aaron jones devonta freeman who's a concussion away from you know anonymity uh derrick henry um, probably deserves to be uh, in front of Penny at this point, based on what we know, uh, what we feel more solid about what his role this year is going to be. But I mean, I you know Josh Jacobs. I, if if Rashad Penny was drafted this year, yeah, Josh Jacobs is not the RB one, except for film nuts. Rashad Penny is yeah. the RB one in the class. It, there maybe there would be a debate for some, but there's no. I mean, there would be no argument. On the production profile, I mean that would then that, would that be blasphemous. That would put his,
1: if you put him ahead of uh where where would that be? He would be like running back fourteen, then right? Something yeah, that's what that I'm range. saying. Yeah, okay. Rashad Penny.
2: Okay. Rashad Penny ran a four four six at 220 pounds last year. He has a 93rd percentile speed score. So if he puts it all together this year, we shouldn't be surprised. Is what you're saying? No, that's that's exactly what I'm saying, <laughs> and, and I think he, his his immaturity last year showed. Yeah, Ed, Pete Carroll doesn't have patience for that. Pete Carroll's been, I mean, famously impatient with rookies, and uh, you know he, he, they've got to wait their turn, and you know they got to carry the shoulder pads, and that's just kind of you know the 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 type of guy that he is. The shot Penny showed up at camp at 236 pounds last year too. He didn't help himself with that. He showed up 16 pounds heavier than he was at the combine. You know, everything that we're hearing this year is that the maturity's there. Um, that he understands the system. It's his second year in the system now. He showed back up at camp in the 220-pound range. So I think this guy learned how to be a pro. He came from a non-Power 5 school that didn't have – I mean, you're not going to have the same rigor in that program as you're going to have it in Alabama, for example. So I think – I mean, I can buy into the narratives of why that year didn't go the way it should have. But, I mean, Penny had flashes. He had flashes in games. I mean, some of the plays that he made – are not plays, you know, they're plays that like five, six guys in the league can make. Reversing field and still taking it to the house.
1: Yeah. So he he yeah, he I showed he one.
2: showed us what he can do. I'm not saying that, you know, he's an RB1 this year, but there are a lot of other things that would surprise me in in, in fantasy football um a lot less um than than Rashad Penny. Um, finding his way to extreme relevance this year, so I, I'm all in, man. I I already owned some penny. I went out and bought some more penny recently. It's in a 16 team league, so you got to keep this in mind. It's a strong team. It's going to be a playoff team. You know, I'm projecting this this team to finish in the in the top four in the league. So you're talking about a a, a draft pick that's that's going to be in the 13 to 16 range. In next year's uh, in next year's rookie draft, I traded my 2021 or my 2021st away, and I added my 2021 second. Now you gotta kind of adjust because of where the the picks are here. It's not you know I'm kind of valuing this as I I traded a pair of seconds for Rashad Penny, but yeah I mean just visually trading a first and a second for Rashad Penny, um there there there's some people that you know accusing me of overpaying on Twitter when I posted that one, but yeah I mean my money's where my mouth is on this. Um. I I just don't I I don't see why people can't see the upside with him. I mean, to me, he's an easy target to buy right now. When you look at the other guys that are that are in the range, so um, I'll get yeah, I'll get off the way... soapbox now. Yeah, but that's that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at.
1: Yeah. Plus, I mean, once you get down that that far, you're looking at, you know, you're in the 30s running backs. You know, once you get very far at all in terms of ADP, so. Not much to ask there uh, for a return on that that investment for sure, but Darius guys, you mentioned him, and he's around pick you know forty point5, a lot of people hoping that uh, in year two he kind of takes off uh you know the, the Redskins drafted Bryce Love. Uh, some people still like Bryce love they, they want to see him do something. I mean, he wasn't uh an early early pick, but uh, there's there's some belief that he could actually do something there but are you believing that Darius guys is going to be worth that type of price?
2: I, I don't, I really don't know the answer, man. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I think Adrian Peterson is still going to be involved th- th- to me. Everything that I, everything that is informing my stance on guys. I, and I should clarify, I don't own any shares of Darius guys. Uh, he's not on any of my teams. I haven't tried to buy him. If the team was sure on Darius guys, Um, Do they keep a thirty, what thirty four, thirty five year old Adrian Peterson around this year? Uh, This team's building. This team has Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum at quarterback. I mean, Adrian Peterson doesn't belong anywhere near the backfield on this type of team. They went out and drafted uh, a pair of of running backs and 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 Bryce Love. Bryce Love, if he had come out after twenty seventeen, I mean, he he was probably a first round pick. You know, we talked about knee injuries earlier, but I mean, Bryce Love has an excellent collegiate production profile.
1: Yeah, only and only Bryce, like what twenty one hundred
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he had an insane year, and and Bryce Love wrote wrote an article in the Players Tribune this April, and he he says he's going to be running four three easy again. Um, and I, if you guys haven't read this, if you guys haven't read this Players Tribune article from Bryce Love, you got to go read it. I mean, this guy great A-plus character rating. And, I mean, he is dialed in. He's ready to go. I, he's not. He's going to carve himself out a role, and I think he's going to earn third down uh, or change the pace role. So I don't think Guys is going to be a clear bell cow, even if Adrian Peterson were gone. But when you listen to Adrian Peterson talk, he sounds like he thinks he's got a pretty big role this year. So... I don't know. I, I think Geis is over overpriced for me. what he's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Geis is Geis is overpriced for what he's gonna do this year. I mean, I still think obviously, you know, he's a guy that is extremely talented and um has has a lot of fans and I, I think does have um I think being a running back one in Dynasty at some point is a, is in his range of outcomes. But he's going to have more of an uphill battle now than I think he had when he entered the league last year.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, Bryce Love, and, and that we could do a podcast just on like players coming out early and versus going back to school and all that. But Bryce Love, coming off that 2,100 yard season, he really should have come out because he had such such a hype train, and he would have killed it at the combine. He could have just run the 40 and then sat down and been done. And so I really hope he gets his speed back. I really hope he he stays healthy. I'm not a believer in Bryce Love staying healthy uh, at at all. Even when he was, quote-unquote, healthy in his bigger season, he was coming off the field like hobbling some and then taking a snap and then off and then coming back in. So I I don't know what's going to happen with with Bryce Love. I I don't believe Adrian Peterson is going to have a role. I want to project... Darius Geis, but it's really just speculation at this point, because there's a bunch of people that think it's they're gonna be their job, and uh probably one or two of them are gonna be wrong. So Geis his his price is probably um about at its ceiling right now, or at least what what's gonna return this year. I'm right there with you. But beyond this year, you know, after Adrian Peterson is is done and after Bryce Love possibly gets hurt again, hopefully not. You know there could be major value spikes in in either direction for any of these guys, but Darius guys I think he's kind of capped right now. But moving on to a couple other guys from last year that you know they I mean they were going the first round. I mean you got you got Royce Freeman, uh, maybe he wasn't always a first rounder. Ronald Jones in most spots I think he was still a first rounder just because the implied opportunity uh, that it looked like it was going to be a great spot when he was drafted initially, and then camp reports happened, but. Ronald Jones, Royce Freeman, those guys still hanging around in the 30s in terms of rankings and ADP right now. But if you had to bet on on one of those two to be an impact player that would break out, that we should go by collectively as a community right now, uh, who would you go with?
2: Out of Royce Freeman and Ronald Jones? Yeah. Um, you know, it's I, I think the upside play. Ronald Jones probably has more – fantasy upside right now only because i think we've got a new coaching regime um a chance for a, a new start and the potential for a true bell cow role there i like royce freeman royce freeman was effective um, when he was used last year and unfortunately got derailed by that early season injury after he looked so good in the first month of the season but now that we've got philip Lindsay um to compete with him and I mean, I felt Lindsay took the league by storm. I mean, the actual NFL, not just fantasy leagues, he's going to have a role no matter what, a substantial role. I mean, he's, I think an ideal usage of those two probably looks something like Lindsay getting 10 to 12 touches a game, limiting them and hoping for those splash plays and letting and Freeman get the chunk, the uh, smaller chunks and be the chain mover that might not have as much value for fantasy unless he locks down like every goal line touch. And that, You know, those types of backs become harder to project. And so Ronald Jones, I think, has more upside, but his floor is clearly much lower. I mean, Royce Freeman had showed that he is a—he belongs in the NFL, and he's deserving of touches. Ronald Jones had 23 carries for 44 yards and a touchdown. Now, to be fair— he was hit in the backfield on 13 of those 23 touches. But, I mean, we're, stre- we're stretching here. You know, the guy, the guy had 23 touches in his inaugural season. I mean, he was a scratch in many, many games last year. So we're, yeah, we're, that was we're so hoping, bizarre. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it really was. I mean, I just can't even – I don't know that I've seen anything like it. I mean, just, just the pure lack of effectiveness and the team just pretty much showed total disregard for him. I mean, it's almost like he wasn't drafted.
1: Yeah, it was really strange. I mean, and the guy ahead of him wasn't drafted.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Peyton Bar Peyton Barber's the he's the epitome of of just a guy, but he ended up he ended up even being you know uh, fairly valuable uh, to fantasy owners, and I mean was definitely startable in stretches in twenty eighteen. So you know, but it's it's a new regime, and the team has a new uh, running backs coach, Todd McNair, um, coming uh, over from uh, some history at, at USC. Of course, back in, I think, the Reggie Bush days was part of all that debacle and hasn't um, had many jobs since then. But um, I, I liked what he had to say about Ronald Jones and the team's last presser um, that, you know, he he's putting in the work. It, he thinks it's just like hand placement, little issues like that. And he said he really just thinks that Ronald Jones never got the confidence— to really bust out when you get hit in the backfield, you're used to getting these wide open lanes in USC and just frolicking out into open space. And now you're having to deal with a little adversity. So Ronald Jones was a young prospect. Ronald Jones gets a chance to prove himself. The team's invested. You know, I, I just drafted a share of him in the late ninth round and a dynasty startup. Um, I'm not a big Ronald Jones fan, but to me uh, that's, that's a dart I'll throw and, and the late ninth round um, a guy that I think does have it within him to become uh, an RB two at some point, um, perhaps as early as this year if he can win this job outright. So, but of the two, I'll I'll give the edge to Ronald Jones an upside. If you're a risk averse player, Royce Freeman probably a safer investment.
1: I'm right there with you, and they're right in, in my rankings. They're in, they're right in the same tier, uh, but I I would probably in that range of a draft and a startup, I'm probably going to be going for a player that uh, I believe has a higher ceiling has the higher potential for a return in a role it was really weird he, I got the opportunity to go, to go to the joint practices last year with with the buccaneers and the titans and it just was so odd he just looked he fumbled the ball more than once at the pra- at one of the practices I was there and uh, you could just just sense even his teammates and in the the crowd even some of the bucks fans that had had made their way to the practice were just like, oh, come on, man. Like, they want him to succeed. So I feel like the team, they, they want him to be a thing. But last year he just wasn't there. Like you said, he was super young. I think he was 20 when he was drafted. So it's yep. just plenty of time for him to grow up and, and find himself uh, in the NFL this year. Hopefully hopefully it is this year. But uh, let's, before we kind of sign off, a few other guys that uh, maybe longer shots to have um, – you know, a bell cow type role, but uh, want to hit on Naheem Hines, Kalen Bellage, Ido Smith, guys that, that flashed at times last year uh, for whatever reason in, diff- in very different ways, really. Uh, but projecting where they're going to be in the very near future uh, is kind of a, a difficult task. Like Naheem Hines was kind of a target monster. Last year, in fact, in in full, you know, PPR leagues, he actually—I'm I'm pretty sure—he was just outside of an RB two in some in some of my leagues, in my formats. Uh, so he's solidified himself as like an RB three in fantasy in many scoring formats last year. Do we think that that repeats? Uh, do we think that uh, we even want you know that kind of ceiling if that's a ceiling? Uh, for me, I, I I'm struggling to invest in a player like Hines because they still have Mac, they still have. Wilkins and him uh, there's just a whole lot of mess in in that uh, backfield to already already compete with and then even even beyond just this year uh, you have the people that assume Marlon Mack is still going to be replaced by 2020 back or whatever we're going to be saying that for the next 10 years until it finally happens but Naheem Hines he's just not somebody I get super excited about and I don't know if you're in a different camp than I am
2: I I think until the 2019 NFL draft happened, he was a player that I thought, you know, maybe he could have like a Sprolesian type role for Frank Reich moving forward. Marlon Max, the the bell cow, Naheem Hines becomes like this this hyper-efficient guy that is um, a a big part of the offense um, in in the passing game and and has the big plays and, and gets enough carry opportunity to be relevant. I think the big problem for me now is Paris Campbell because Naheem Hines did did get split out last year. And I think Paris Campbell is a more electric version of what the team did with Naheem Hines. And so that that's the problem for me. I, I, I don't think he sees anywhere near his 81 targets. I mean, it's pretty remarkable that he had 81 targets last year. I mean, he out-targeted guys like uh, Doug Baldwin last year. He out-targeted hmm. Tyler Lockett last year he out targeted Deion Lewis last year you know a guy that you know we know is a a receiving back I mean 81 target I mean he was very involved I mean that's five targets a game so um, that's that's going to lead to a lot of production but I just don't see it being a repeatable thing Um, his value now is tied more to a Marlon Mack injury or or lack of uh, lack of effectiveness and so um, at at running back 47 and and startups, um, that's actually right where the Rotoviz team has him ranked, at at RB forty seven as well. That that feels about right. Um, I, I think he's certainly roster worthy. Probably not a guy I'm going to be drafting in startups, but um, if he were available as a throw in or something like that in a deal, I'd be happy to happy to have him on my team.
1: Yeah, and he's going right ahead of the other two I mentioned as well. Like, I, and they're guys that uh, may be more uh, prototypical. Running backs in terms of their body of, and their potential for uh, a greater role. At, you know, if something else does go wrong, or maybe even if it doesn't, uh, Kalen Balazs, he's I think is going around pick one forty, like one thirty eight, and I think it is running back fifty in startups right now. Ito Smith, uh, running back forty eight, right behind Naheem Hines, and uh, I mean Ito Smith, all he has to do is. Compete with Devonte Freeman, and you already mentioned earlier Devontae Freeman's concussion history is just flat out scary. Uh, to to own him in Dynasty, it, it's you better you better own Ido Smith or uh, you know any other backup there because if anything goes wrong there, uh, Ido's in for a huge chunk of opportunity. Uh, so I think between those two, I would much prefer any Edo Smith over Naheem Hines. Are you there with me as well?
2: Oh, certainly, and and the Falcons have shown um, a, a lot of willingness to involve two running backs. I think they will protect Freeman. Freeman got the big deal a couple years ago, and uh, they also drafted Kadri Olson, um, but is more of a banger. He's he's going to take touches from Freeman, not Edo Smith. Yeah. So I yeah I, I like I like Edo Smith. I probably like Edo Smith more than Naheem Hines, uh, and I definitely like him more than than Kalen Bilodeau. I think it, out of the three being fantasy relevant in 2019 of these three I would expect his ADP to rise if any of them do have a rise I think with with Belage, the difference is you know he he thinks that he's competing with Kenyon Drake um, for that starting role and so if, if Belage is able to upset him I mean you know I like you know this is all tongue-in-cheek I don't think Belage can can <laughs> Uh, usurp yeah. Kenyon Drake there, but he thinks he's going to get the chance. I think he's going to get the chance. It's a new regime. If he did, then certainly he would, he would have a precipitous rise, but I just don't think that's who Kalen Balazs is. I don't think K- Kalen Balazs is a particularly good running back. I don't think he was a particularly good prospect. And I think Kenyon Drake's done nothing but produce in a highly efficient manner every time he's been given the chance to do it. I think mean, Kenyon yeah. Drake now has a regime who knows how to use a, a guy with some of his skills. I mean, look what they did with James White in New England. And I think Kenyon Drake has a little bit of overlap and some skills there, except he's just a better runner uh, carrying the ball as well. So I, I, I'm i definitely in Camp Drake and, and don't think that Bellage will emerge. But his upside, probably the highest out of these three backs. But again, Edo Smith, my target of the three.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I love to watch Caelan Blasch and and watch Caelan Blasch highlights at Arizona State or whatever, but and the truth of the matter is he wasn't a great running back prospect coming out of college, and even if you look at his numbers last year, it looks great on paper, just, you know, whole season numbers. We were talking about this before the show, 36 carries for 191 yards, not very big sample size, but that's over five yards per carry. But then you have to look at it, and just basically, I mean, he had one play that went for 75 yards. And on his other 35 carries, he averaged just over three yards per carry. And that's that's basically exactly who he was in college, too. And it's just more that the same.
2: Good? Is that good, three yards a carry? Can you remind me? You know, is that a good? You know, I can double check.
1: I mean, I, I could uh, just <laughs> – uh, I, I was I was thinking it wasn't. But, uh, yeah. you know, and, and really he's a better receiver than getting, you know, 11 targets on the gear. I, I would love them to actually utilize him as – A receiver because I think he demonstrated that he could do that some uh, even maybe better than he could run the ball in in college and being a huge bodied person catching the ball and maybe on a swing route here and there I'd love to see more of that action but I'm not sure that that's just how he's going to be deployed so obviously I think he belongs behind both these guys because I'm not sure of any role that's going to be really trustworthy uh, this year and It really kind of, to me, and I guess to the whole road of his team based on the, the current rankings, he bas- there basically has to be an injury for him to have much of a role this year. And that, that stinks to say because he's such a, a fun player, albeit not maybe a, a great running back talent, but he's just a fun athlete to, to see do stuff. <laughs> but that doesn't translate to fantasy points all the time.
2: He's the Cordero Patterson of running backs is what you're telling me.
1: <laughs> you know what, <laughs> Cordell Patterson <laughs> is a much better running back than Caitlin Balash. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah, he's. It, yeah. I think his, his yards per carry is about double, uh, <laughs> just about. But uh, yeah, that's that's probably about all the time we have uh, to tonight. Uh, we got to end on cor- the Cordell Patterson of running backs. I don't think we could, we're, the rest of the show is just going to go down from here. So, <laughs> it's it's been fun talking about some running backs. What we'll get back to some rookie talk, what we'll jump into some, I'm sure uh, in the world, we'll get to some uh, college players and even some more Debbie talk at some point here soon. But really just enjoying the, the calm before the storm because, uh, uh, you know, it, it's that time of year where the, there's not really going to be a bunch of new information. But I think it's this is the perfect time where we can take advantage of these value gaps and really dive into what we think a player's value is. And so that's exactly why we we're having this discussion tonight. So, uh thanks for joining me again, Curtis, to help, you know, just figure out what these running backs could look like, second-year players. And listeners, definitely always check out uh, if you are still, you know, maybe you haven't had your rookie draft yet, you can still check out the rookie guide and, and more info at dynastycommandcenter.com and uh, you know, you can always hop in our premium Slack. It's a great community full of uh, fellow dynasty players that are having their rookie drafts right now they're having their startup drafts right now we're always having discussions like the ones we're having on this podcast in this chat it's a great place to be but curtis thanks again for joining me this week and listeners you can find him on twitter at c patrick nfl i'm travis may at ff underscore travis m thanks again for joining us for another dynasty command center podcast and until next time keep living net dynasty life That's not veneer, that's solid stuff.
0: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, Only on Showtime.